0: Well, good morning. I'm glad to be with you all again. Uh, those, there was, the, the, part of the introduction says I'm, I served on the staff at Grace CPC in Lawrence Evangelical Presbyterian Church. And that brings up a couple things. First, I am honorably retired. <laughs> I'm part of the PCA Presbytery that, that this mission work is part of. Heartland Presbytery. Uh, And they were the, the, this presbytery (laughs) endorsed me for the Army chaplaincy, for which I am most grateful, and supported me over the years. Military chaplains have to be endorsed by a civilian uh, agency, or the Army says, Who is this guy? Right? And so that's what the the PCA did for me and, and does for probably 250 or so military chaplains. So please be praying for them. It's a wonderful opportunity to preach the gospel at government expense. Okay, and uh, I'm most grateful for that opportunity. Secondly, I, I've been part of Great CPC for a number of years, and it's really been a PCA church uh, all these years, in spite of their name. Okay, but they are, uh, and and their denominational affiliation. Uh, but the congregation is going to be voting on April 10th to accept the recommendation of the session to transfer to the PCA. So if you all would please be in prayer for that. I think it's going to happen, but uh, the Lord knows best, and uh, it would be a wonderful addition to our presbytery, and it would be a wonderful opportunity for Grace uh, EPC to, to serve with um, PCA churches. So it's really neat. So be praying for them. Pray for our chaplains. And let's look now at the Word of God um, in Exodus chapter 1. As we come to God's Word, let's pray. Our Father, you've, you've marvelously given Your Word. It's from You, but You know our hearts, darkened by sin. So please, by the power of Your Holy Spirit, help us to see and understand and embrace all that you would have for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Exodus chapter 1, a very familiar passage with a great deal here. We're going to touch the surface this morning. I'll begin reading at verse 6. This, of course, is um, (coughs) Moses now leading God's people. Or he will be, rather Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were (coughs) oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and all kinds of work in the field. And all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiphrah and the other Pua. When you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded, <coughs> but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwife said to Pharaoh, because, of the he- because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives. And the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Peter Singer has been a professor of ethics at Princeton University. Since two thousand, since 20, or excuse me, since nineteen ninety nine. In two thousand one, he gave an interview to the New Yorker magazine, and in that interview, he said the following: Parents of children born with serious disabilities ought to have the option of ending the life of their child immediately after birth, or as soon as the diagnosis has been properly established, it is not true to say that I support euthanasia for disabled infants. It is not true that I think that disabled infants ought to be killed. I think the parents ought to have that option to kill their babies. Now, as as evil... And as horrifying as that quotation is, over 3,000 years ago, Moses dealt with a very similar mindset as he wrote this account of of what happened with Pharaoh and the Hebrew midwives. This wicked, I have to underline that word, this wicked ethics professor and his view of human life, his false view of human life, was something that Moses wrote about here in Exodus 1. But but Moses also wrote about God's plan and view of that same life. So he's got the negative and the positive. So what we're going to do this morning with this passage is look first at the source of Pharaoh's evil. Secondly, at the, mid, the source of the midwives' view of human life. And thirdly, we're going to look at, at a little bit broader scriptural picture and, and practical application for us as we seek to live our lives for God now. First, then, the source of Pharaoh's evil actions. In ancient Egypt, Pharaoh the king had a religious view that determined his view of life and of human nature, of human beings. Pharaoh and the people there believed him to be a god and therefore an absolute ruler. And therefore, above all, his interests and desires determined his actions. Look at verse 9 of chapter 1 again. And he said to his people, that is Pharaoh, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. We've got to take care of them. We're going to do something to them to keep that from happening, to to lessen their power. These Hebrews with their strange religion of one God were a threat to his wealth and his power. So Pharaoh saw himself justified." in reducing the chosen people of God to tools in his hands. To tools used to maintain and increase his own wealth and power. Tools used to maintain his own security. Tools to be used for his convenience as he chose to use them. So, Moses tells us in this passage, Pharaoh ruthlessly and shrewdly used them in hopes of keeping them weak and unable to rebel or to ally themselves with his enemies. Ruthless, shrewd, pitiless, and cruel. Verse 10. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them lest they multiply and if war breaks out they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Tools in his hands. So those who were the taskmasters that Pharaoh appointed to use these tools were just as ruthless and just as cruel as Pharaoh's command was. These were not the chosen people of the one true God, in their view. They were certainly not creatures made in the image of the one true God. So Pharaoh's thinking and his actions increased the ruthlessness of the taskmasters and the rest of the Egyptians. Now, because of this kind of thinking, catch this, because of this kind of thinking, Pharaoh's evil grossly increased. Since this abuse of the Hebrews did not accomplish his goals by keeping them down and beating them into submission, it didn't do what he wanted because the Lord continued to bless them. So while killing them directly to reduce their numbers was perhaps too big a step, even for a Pharaoh, even for a God, he would weaken them further by killing their sons. First, His command was to kill the sons at birth, and when that failed, drowning them in the Nile after birth. Evil thrives. Evil grossly increases when human beings are reduced to mere things, to tools in the hands of other human beings. Pharaoh's evil actions increased as his actions didn't produce what he wanted. He believed his evil ways justified because of who they were. Evil beliefs multiplied his evil actions. In other words, we see in Pharaoh's thinking and in the thinking of these Egyptians the same (laughs) thinking as we saw in that quotation from that ethics professor, Peter Singer. According to Singer's secular, materialistic religion, disabled babies are born for the use, benefit, and convenience of parents. Children are simply a biological result of conception and therefore to be used as parents choose to use them. Well, a, a child's disabilities are terribly inconvenient and such a burden, Peter Singer says. Parents may at their will kill their offspring. Singer's logic begins with the premise that human beings are simply chemicals, biology, and the product of biological activity. Paul speaks of Peter Singer in Romans 3, verse 15. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's what's going on. But the midwives knew far better than Peter Singer or Pharaoh. Just as the pharaoh's religion and view of human life led to his actions, so the midwives' religion led to the same thing. And they courageously acted on what they knew to be true. Verse 17 of chapter 1. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them. But let the male children live Their courage was rooted in their fear of God. Now, what they knew about God is not not all that clear because they didn't have the benefit of the scriptures that we have. They had no Moses of the law. They had no revelation like the plagues or the pillar of fire. They had no knowledge of the meeting that God had with, eventually that Moses would have with God on Mount Sinai. They have likely, though, heard of the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that these were the chosen people of God. They knew that God, and and, and that was affirmed because God multiplied these children in the midst of all this terrible hardship. God blessed them and kept them. They knew God also, and perhaps supremely, because He had given life, life all around them. They helped women give birth. They knew for certain that this was God-given life. Precious God-given life. They didn't need Moses' words to know this to be true. God-given life so precious that mothers were willing to endure terrible pain and then rejoice in what they knew God had given them. And surely as that birth happened, the midwives would say to themselves, and look, as they held in their hands this baby, look what I am holding that God has given. They knew that this life could only come from God. It was the blindness of the, of the Pharaoh and his own sin darkened heart that prevented him from seeing that. These midwives saw it and knew it. To kill these sons would have been even worse, though, because as they also knew, God had chosen these particular people Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's sons. As Calvin put it, it would have been gross impiety to destroy God's people. Another way to see what the midwives saw, their reverence for life sprang from their reverence for God. It all came together in those births. So they feared God and they loved his people. And this understanding of the work in creating human life gave them really no choice. They had to disobey Pharaoh's commands. No question about it. And that fear of God overcame their very real fear of Pharaoh. Because they could see that Pharaoh had the power of life and death in his hands. A real terrible fear that this God would destroy them if they disobeyed. They knew the risk of disobedience, yet they disobeyed. Matthew Henry put it this way, where the fear of God rules in the heart, where the fear of God rules in the heart, it will preserve us from the snare which the inordinate fear of man brings. That is the beginning of understanding just how courageous these women were. Courage that God rewarded in their lives. God had been faithful in all his covenant promises to his people because they feared the same God. They disobeyed Pharaoh's command and God rewarded that disobedience. Now, we can learn a great deal that applies to our lives just from this contrast between Pharaoh and the midwives and their responses in this, this situation. But God has given us so much more than He's given the midwives. Because He's given us all of the Scripture, all of His Word to direct us how we should live for Him. Especially, This is especially important in our day in which Pharaoh's views of human beings are prevailing. The, human, the, the, preview, the view that human beings are nothing but whatever. We need to, as, as believers in Christ, to clearly understand what God has for us. We must have a biblical understanding, because as one writer put it years ago, ideas have consequences. So thirdly, let's look at a few passages of scriptures to, 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 to pull together and make sure our understanding is the correct one and the, the true one, as we look at the pharaohs at, at Pharaoh and the midwives. But first of all, and so what we're doing then is we're asking to paraphrase the Westminster Shorter Catechism: What do the Scriptures principally teach about human nature and human beings? Human beings, the Scripture teaches us: human beings are God's special creation. The only creature, the only creature created in God's image and given dominion over the creation. We do not share our fundamental nature with anything else in all of creation. We see this uniqueness in Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over every living thing. That's who we are. And that has implications that are astounding when you think of them. One of those implications we see in Psalm 8. Psalm 8, verse 3. David says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him? there's no one like us in all creation. This is who we are. And we humbly come before this God who created us in this way and created us in His image for a relationship with Himself. A relationship marred by sin, but a relationship that He desires for His own glory. Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse 16. Your eyes, God, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. That relationship, the days that are numbered before there was any of them, in God's book, there they are. That's who we are. And then John the Baptist, in Luke, chapter 1, as John's mother Elizabeth comes into the presence of her cousin Mary, this is what happens. Verse 41, chapter 1 of Luke. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. That's who we are. That's how God has created us for himself. To joy in him and the salvation that he brings in our Savior Jesus. We must keep all of these things in mind as we look at human beings in this day and then a, th- a final passage of scripture in Matthew Who are we? Who are we created in God's image? Matthew 27:45 Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was for every human being created in God's image for whom he died. We come to him because of the way he made us, but supremely for his coming for us and dying on the cross and rising on the third day. Look at the contrast between Pharaoh and those in our day who would deny the truth of God. Look at who we are and what God has made us to be and how he, wants, he desires us to serve him. Human life is sacred. Human life is in God's hands, created for God's purposes from conception through death. Created for a righteous, holy relationship with the Creator. Created to glorify and honor Him in all things. And our world denies all of this. And so stands against us and against God's revelation. Scriptures, Scripture seems common sense, doesn't it? to us who are familiar with these truths. Well, yeah, what else, right, preacher? But our rule denies it over and over again. Human beings are treated as tools for the gain of someone using that tool. A couple of examples. Human beings reduced from from image bearers to mere pleasure seekers. Now, I love basketball. I live in Lawrence, for goodness (laughs) sake. But it's the Capital One March Madness. Capital One credit cards sponsor these games, so I can watch them. They sponsor these games and they lie to the people that hear their message over and over and over again. They lie, making promises to them that happiness, contentment, delight in life, joy, true joy comes from spending the bank's money at 18.5% a year. That's right from Satan, isn't it? It's a lie. Human beings reduced to servants to make money. People are also not just reduced to mere pleasure builders, but reduced from image bearers to machine-like relationships with one another. Stay connected with my AT&T machines out in the car. I've got a friend of mine who teaches uh, creative writing in, in Longwood University in Virginia. Great guy. We were talking recently about his students at Longwood. He said, it used to be, when I first started teaching here, that I would walk across campus and greet my students. Oh, hi, Prof. Good to see you this morning. How are you doing? What's going on? But no longer because they're walking across cam- campus like this, pointing to their telephones. The false promise of a relationship being reduced to machines instead of person to person, and eyeball to eyeball. It's, it's a false view of human nature. Not saying it's not useful or and we shouldn't use it as a tool, don't get me wrong, but it interferes with who we are, created in God's image. And to that extent, it lies to us. Reduced to machine-like relationships. Also, human beings, at the end of their God-given days, God-ordained days, human beings are reduced to burdens in our day. Reduced to burdens. How many television dramas have you seen lately in which there's an end-of-life decision that needs to be made. And according to the screenwriter, the courageous decision is for the person who either kills himself or someone who helps that person kill himself. After all, that's the best thing for them. Interfering with God's work in that person's life. Almost, I I don't know that I've ever seen a drama in which the courageous thing would be to continue to live. That's what we're up against. Well, try telling that to the Hebrew midwives. Try telling them that 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 life, even in the midst of pain and suffering, is not God-given and worthy of our ultimate and complete trust in God's good work in that person's life, as difficult as it is. As a result of of human beings becoming in our day just another part of the material world, just another part of the material world, decision-makers elevate themselves to the same position Pharaoh elevated himself. Pharaoh-like gods in our midst. Instead of God's image worthy of respect, sacred to the God who made us. People become things being used instead of human beings created for a relationship that glorifies God. Serving our own selfish purposes just like Pharaoh. Use them, destroy them at will. As believers in Christ and His sacred word we must take stands against this evil, this evil reduction of human life, whatever form it takes. We live, as we look around us, in the midst of an increasingly anti-human, mechanistic, materialistic society. And the few examples I've used could be multiplied, of course, because ideas have consequences. Here's another quotation. Parents do have the option to kill their disabled babies right now. In every country that allows abortion, when a prenatal diagnosis is shown there's a disability. I don't draw a big distinction between abortion and infanticide. Those who think it's okay for a woman, for women to have an abortion, need to show why there's why there's such an important difference. Between the fetus before birth and the newborn infant after birth. That last one again. Those who say it's okay for a woman to have an abortion need to show why there's such an important difference between the fetus before birth and the newborn infant after birth. That's Peter Singer again. And he's agreeing with pro life Christians all these years. Obviously, we begin in different places, but look at his conclusion. If you begin with materialism and, and, and human means not created in the image of God, there is no difference. If you believe that God gave life to that baby in the womb, there is no difference. We preserve life. We fight for it. We disobey Pharaoh. The fetus is a human being created in the image of God, just like a newborn baby. The applications, of course, go on and on. On August the 2nd this year, there's going to be a vote in the state of Kansas on a constitutional amendment about abortion. If you vote, please, Take the Hebrew midwives into the polling place with you. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you've revealed so much to us, that you've loved us and provided for us, that you know our days, you number every one of them. And from all eternity, you sent your Son to die for your people. Oh, Lord God, give us courage in this wicked day that we may stand with the midwives in all aspects of our life, fearing you above all else and seeking to honor you and your son by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.